Good morning. Morning. How are we doing right now? You look like you're like a level like zero right now. Yeah. I sense the anticipation for me talking right now, specifically from the junior ladies. Just kidding. <laughs> Salty. Um, okay, so I'm Vicki. Um, hi. And um, yeah, so Joel asked me to talk today on, um, we're going through a series called War Stories. And recently we got interviewed from, like Forest Home did an interview on Joel and his family and uh, like us about like the legacy that Forest Home has played in like our faith. And after I gave my part of the interview, Joel goes, oh, you should just like preach that thing that you just said. And I was like, I don't know what I just said because it was like, it was an inter interview, but I don't have access to that interview. And he was like, no, you'll be fine. Like you did great. You didn't have a script or anything like that. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And then he said, and you need to relate it to um, a war story in the Old Testament of the Bible. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really, that will be a really great time because I know war stories in the Bible really well. Um, so um, just a little bit of background on me. I didn't grow up um, in like faith tradition. So I don't know like a lot of like the stories that y'all know, like growing up, you know, through Trinity, they do a great job of teaching you um, basic Bible stories. I don't know those. And so when he was like war stories, I was like, Google war stories in Bible. That's what I did. So um, yeah, so just give me a little bit of grace here. I also um, was working really late last night. So um, I do like event things for political people. And so last night I was like doing an event until <coughs> 1 a.m. ish. So we're feeling really good this morning. So all that being said, I need all of the prayer. Um, so also I like that you, the worship team played that song because the story that we're going to be looking at today in Exodus 17, if you have your Bibles, you can start to flip there. Exodus 17, it's like the second book in the Bible, I think. Second, yeah. So if you just want to go and flip to Exodus 17. And um, I really like that you guys played that song because actually in Exodus 17 and the like snippet of a war story that I'm going to be talking about today is about fighting a battle through a type of praise and thanksgiving. So I really appreciate that. So Exodus 17, we're going down to 17.8. So it's a little bit further down. So what's just happened is like Moses and Israel friends are walking through the desert of some sort. I'm sure it's a desert because I went there and it was really deserty. So I'm sure it was the same back then. But they're walking through the desert and they're complaining as per usual with them. Um, and they're complaining about water and then Moses like has a stick and then he hits the rock and then water comes out of it and they're like oh thank you for a second and then um, so we're going to go down to eight um, where the Amalekites attack so are you guys ready for this okay and if I say anything wrong grace right okay at Repidim Amalek came and fought against Israel Moses said to Joshua Select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will, I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So he was like, Joshua, you go down there and fight, and I'm going to be on top of this hill with a stick with my friends. So <laughs> um, while Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. 
When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. The Lord then said to Moses, write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. He said, indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. The Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. So they're walking through the desert and then like sneak attack, they attack out of nowhere. Um, so, and I kind of was like a little bit confused because like the desert's really big. So like, I can't imagine that like, you're walking through the desert and you happen to see like another group of friends walking through the desert also. It just seems like really vast. But looking back at the history of the Malachites, it looks like they've been kind of hating Israel from, for a very long time. Oh, hey, Joel, what's up? Um, <laughs> that's my husband. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't know that. Um, so it looks like they've been hating Israel for a very long time. I actually then fast-forwarded through the biblical text to see where else the Amalekites end up. And actually, it looks like for 800 years, they sneak attack Israel over and over and over again. So it's like, oh, Israel's going to put some crops here. And then the Malachites are like, never mind, and then sneak attack them every single time. So um, the Malachites just like aren't doing that great with Israel. So whatever their problem is. So um, but look, let's look at Exodus in general. Exodus is demonstrating how God is creating a new community from exile to freedom. So they can like reflect on what God is doing, but instead, obviously, they're complaining through the desert and not really focusing on the fact that like God is bringing them from exile to freedom. They keep on just complaining, and they are attacked through this process. So I imagine that that's kind of a frustrating experience. So um, let me grab my um, so. Community here isn't obviously acts of kindness. We're not being nice to each other. Community is God took a group of people from exile, a specific group of people, and said, you are now going to be with each other for the next 400 years traveling. He's created this specific community. And obviously, they will come in contact with other people, and I'm sure they will make friends or not make friends throughout this route through the desert. Um, but community is a byproduct of this commitment that they're committing to staying through this entire process of turmoil together so that they can get to the Holy Land. So they're going to go through attack, 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 and then maybe one day we will get to our goal. Maybe one day we'll get to where God has promised us. So community is the byproduct of commitment. It's not how we help each other out just in one time of need. It's how we continually are here for one another, always. And um, community also pushes back on our pride because pride says it's all about me. Community says, actually, it's about we. It's about all of us. So it suddenly doesn't come, is not, no, it's no longer about what matters to just me. So um, our problem here is that um, when I look at this passage, I can see that they need, communi they need community, 
um, but they're in this time of turmoil, so it could be really hard. So here Moses is standing with his hands up, and how, like, have you guys ever, you know, been in a worship song, and your, like, hands are up, and you're like, wow, this worship song's really long, my hand is tired, I gotta switch. <laughs> like the slow, just switch, and then you're, like, down here, you're kind of like this, or, like, teapotting. Okay, so um, I imagine that this is what's happening for <laughs> Moses, but he has his hands up, and people are winning, and his hands are down and people are dying. So I imagine that he wants to keep his hands upward. Um, and so I don't know like where her and Aaron were standing, his two A's, um, were standing, but I imagine he has his hands up and like is he doing like a little look, like help me out brothers, like I'm struggling here, like this is ours. Um, so whatever happens, they help him out. So they literally lift his hands and help him out so that he can keep his hands up until they win the battle. So that is a very difficult process. Um, and when I look at my own life and the liturgies that I kind of grew up in, I wasn't raised in a family that was like, let's help each other out. It was very like, you got this, you do it on your own to survive, like you want dinner, there's top ramen maybe. Like that was kind of it. And so um, I didn't also like, I think now looking at like culture and everything that we have right now, like you're not gonna get a TED talk about like togetherness and community. You're gonna get a TED talk because you specifically created this specific item that has specific intention for one year or something like that. Like I created by myself this really cool app. You're not gonna, like you don't see a lot of TED talks of like, my community is so awesome and all of my friends, we just like really love each other and love Jesus. Like you don't, you don't see TED Talks about that. I mean, if there is, please send it to me. I just, you know, I just did a basic scroll through them. And so um, I delved into this a bit because I feel like there's something here about individualism. And so I really like polling data. I work in politics, so I really like polls. Um, so I looked at, um, like some Gallup polls and some like UCLA research, different polls. And I saw that 20 to 25% of people are unaffiliated with religion, unaffiliated. So, but they pray weekly and 87% of them believe in God. They also still, they believe God exists. They believe like basic tenets that we believe, but, um, they are unaffiliated with religion. So I kind of delved into also the idea of an unaffiliated. And unaffiliated means not officially attached to an organization or institution. So spiritual. So I believe in all these things and that's like kind of the new vibe on Instagram is like spiritualism. So they really like spiritual. And so I was like, why do they like this instead of like some sort of institution of Christianity in general. And so I was thinking maybe they're busy, maybe they've had like corruption at their churches, like maybe they've been hurt by the church in some way. But actually, uh, well, first of all, if like it looks like if you've been hurt by the church in some way, like if you go have a bad doctor, you don't usually write off medicine completely. You just might go to a different doctor. So that wasn't the top reason. But 44% um, said would prefer to worship on their own. They find God elsewhere 
this is not helpful for me. So they don't have time or energy, but also it's all about them. And they just don't want to participate. So um, areas where there's lower religion means higher individuality. And so I don't think that, like sometimes people are like, oh, people like aren't very spiritual, they don't believe in God, and the world is coming to an end, and all those things. But I don't think we're anti-spiritual. I think we're anti-social. And I think we lack the ability to actually be in community with people. And I bet right now you're like, but I have so many friends. Like, I have like a thousand Instagram followers, and we're like all best friends, and I have like Snapchat streaks with like a lot of people, okay? So we're best friends. So, but I would argue that um, that is, like we're connected, we're connected in some way, but we're not communal. We're not breaking bread with each other, we're not sharing each other's burdens, we're not holding each other's hands up for each other. We're like, look at my face. This is what I'm doing today. This is my food today. Like, that isn't real life. That's not living real life in community with each other. So I think we're antisocial. So then I looked at um, UCLA, a study that they did, because some of us are going, you know, away to college. I say us. I'm not going to college. Some people are going to college, and some people in this room will also go to college one day. And so I looked at a UCLA study of different colleges, and they said that there was a direct link between, they said like the, the stress numbers and the lack of social, socialization that college students have. And at UCLA particularly, only 18% have um, like daily social interactions, like real human social interactions, 18%. I don't know how many people in this room are here, but like let's say there's 100, 18, raise your hand, just 18 of you, like you right here, this section. Eighteen percent. Okay, you put your hands down. That is crazy. So a lack of socialization. So they're not, they're connected on the internet with their friends, but they're not in community. So um, also they saw that because of this, empathy goes down a lot. And that's why often, um, I mean, I'm sure you guys are on social media. And basically what happens when empathy goes down, it says this, study says that empathy went down for 40%. That's a lot of like percent in like five years. Um, so basically what's happening is we're siloing ourselves into online communities and we're becoming really connected with people that are like us and then we post about how those people are like us and get really angry and there's all these like angry social media posts everywhere and so that's called siloing because you're finding people that are like you in a not real community, not next to you, and then caring about them more than the people that are next to you. And so, um, this individualism that we have like, <laughs> this individualism that we kind of has been adopted into, you guys like have had phones and technology forever. So we've kind of been adopted into this, but it's creating isolation. And so, um, Right now in this room, you're sitting next to people, which is really cool, but there's other people that don't talk to other people, especially after they graduate college and they like literally can go to work on their computer all day and not talk to anyone. So you guys are really lucky to be in a community, like just even sitting next to each other. Um, so isolation is not what we're called to. O obviously, in 
Throughout the Bible, Jesus talks about how we're supposed to carry one another's burdens. In Galatians 6.2, it says, carry one another others' burdens, and in this way you f- will fulfill the law of Christ. So this is a physical community, and it's a physical commitment. I'm not saying that social media can't be used to bear one another's burdens, especially when you're far away from each other. Like, all of my friends live, like, far away, and we talk on the phone, we text. You can still bear one another's burdens in community in a way, but um, I do think that to bear one another's burdens, it has to be an actual physical burden that you're carrying and a real physical act. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself for a hot minute. Um, So um, when I was in high school, um, I had a friend and like she was my best friend. She brought me, I've talked about her, her name's Caitlin. And um, she brought me to church with a group of other friends. She actually lived at my house when her, um, her parents were divorced. She lived at my house with my mom. And um, so we went to like Hughes and Foothill together. And then I eventually came to Trinity. And she had always gone to camp at Forest Home. And I had never gone to camp at Forest Home. And I was like, oh, those are cool moccasins that you're bringing. And what you know all the fun beads that you guys do and stuff at the at that time it was called Indian Village and Adventure Mountain and so she would always like talk about it but she never like invited me into it until I got to high school and I went to Lakeview for the first time freshman year and um, so we had a journey together like best friends and then September of our freshman year so like the star of the school year she was diagnosed with cancer and like this was like rough especially for because like in a sense she was basically my sister she lived at my house she was brought me to church and like completely changed the trajectory of my life by bringing me here and then she got cancer and I remember we would like go to the hospital every day and like another um guy that went to church he he was like two grades older than us and he would come to the hospital also to drive me or to take me and um and he's still one of my like best friends to this day and I didn't even know him like in high school he was like I heard someone in high school ministry has cancer how can I help and we were like well, you can come or you can drive me to the hospital sometimes and he was like awesome and um so she struggled with cancer um, throughout freshman year and then sophomore year we went off to forced home and it was her first time ever not being able to go to forced home because she had gone through you know Trinity and she wasn't able to go it was really sad also for our community too because she I don't know she had always gone she was part of our community she was who like we look to for like random advice on things or costume ideas and stuff like that and so Forest Home was like very different when we got there. It felt like it felt like weird and dark, but we were like, okay, God, like we're just gonna pray. We're gonna pray for a miracle to happen in her life. At this point, like basically they were like, it's um, I think it was inoperable and there was all this stuff going on. She had to shave her head, so she was really embarrassed. So, like, we all donated our, our hair to, like, make wigs and stuff. And, like, she had a bunch of wigs, but she looked great bald. So we were like, just go with it. Um, so then I remember it was, like, t- 
Tuesday night, no, it must have been Monday night. It was Monday night, and they were playing the song Salvation is Here at Forest Home, and, like, during it, like, it was like, it's going to be all right. Like, I know my God saved me today. I know he will make a way. And I know my, like, God never fails me. And at that moment, Caitlin walks through the door. And, like, we were like, why? You're, like, supposed to be in a hospital bed. Like, you should not be here. Like, you should have, like, we, like, were so shook. And, um, <laughs> so I'm not supposed to say that word. <laughs> Oops. Um, and yeah, so she walks through the door and we all like lose our minds, right? We're like screaming. It's the middle of a worship set. People are very confused while we're screaming. And like we just like surround her carefully in hugs, carefully. She's like very fragile at this point. And then so her mom explains to us, she's like, so Forest Home agreed, we're going to clean out one half of the entire cabin and we're going to dehumidify it and we're going to like make it a sterile area. And all 16 of you girls are going to fit on one side of the cabin. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> Never been so sure of something in my life. Um, and so she got to come to camp. And I remember, like, that was just, like, so important, like, for us to be able to, like, I don't know. Obviously, at that time in our lives, we were, like, really sad and selfish inside. But, like, we were also super happy that, like, she was here so we could carry this burden with her so she could continue to follow the Lord through um, this desperate time of need in a time of real hardship for her. And, um, and she had been there for me in my time of hardship. And so like, I felt like, yes, now it's my turn to like, help you like learn about Jesus. Even though like, I was a sophomore in high school, I don't know what I could like help with at that time other than excitement. <laughs> I was just so excited. Um, so that is just that. But basically, I see in this story and like the story of my life that God has consistently moved me from places of isolation to um, places of community. So me and my personal walk with God, I was in a place where I didn't know who he was and Caitlin brought me into a community here at Trinity. And then Caitlin was in a place of isolation in a hospital room feeling really lonely and like sad and sick. And he brought her into this community and he made a way for her to get there despite all odds like I don't know if someone like that with cancer should be at Forest Home in one of those cabins like I don't know but we God made a way and she didn't get sick afterwards and everything was fine and so um I just I see that God continually brings us from places of isolation to places of community and I think right now, if your spirituality that you have has not led you to community, then I would say that you have something going on, but I wouldn't say that you have community. And I wouldn't say that you have true faith. Because I think God is calling us daily from the isolation like that we feel maybe in the morning when we wake up, when we like scroll through Instagram and we're like, my life sucks, or like I'm not good enough, or I'm never going to get well. He brings us from those places into a community that we can, where we can bear one another's burdens together. And so I think that God calls us into community for his glory and our growth. So the primary reason like, for Israel to be led from exile to freedom 
is for God's glory. It's not about us. It's for his glory. So we have to realize that. But, um, and you can see this in when Jesus was making, like, his team of disciples or his squad, whatever you want to call it. When he was making this group of people, he literally took a tax collector and a zealot, so someone that worked for the government and someone that was rioting the government and was like, you get to be friends, but not really like, he wasn't saying be friends. He's like, you're going to live in community with each other. So even though you really don't like each other because you pick at the government every second and I get paid by the government every second. So we don't like each other, but we're called to be in a community with each other no matter what. And Jesus wants that kind of diversity. God calls us to diversity. And that doesn't like mean necessarily racial. There's like socioeconomic diversity. There's our like traditions and our historical diversity. There's so many different types of diversity. And God calls us all together and like also like social and political diversity. He calls us all together to live in community with another. That doesn't mean that you're not gonna disagree or have moments. But as we move into times of transition, I think we often look to surround ourselves with people that look like us, act like us, have the same grades as us, et cetera, as us. And like, I have heard sometimes like, you know, oh my gosh, Vicki, like we're getting so like close as friends because of church. And I'm like, wow, you got closer to your friends at church? That's cool. I don't think God is calling us to be closer to our friends only. He's calling us to reach out to people beyond this group and be like, hey, come on in. There is good news here for you. There is good news of healing. There's good news of reconciliation. There's good news that Jesus died on a cross so that you can live in freedom. And that is here. And that's what you guys have in common. I get that, like, sometimes, you know, there's prom drama. And I get that sometimes, like, some people try at school more than other people. And I get that some people have different types of affiliations. I get that. But God is saying, I see that and I see those differences. But what matters more is this, my glory. And then also, secondly, your growth. You don't grow by being more friendly with your friends. You can become more comfortable and maybe you can like go find another person to be your friend together. Like there are like pluses to having like close, close friends. So I'm not saying that. Um, but he is calling us to go out beyond our friend groups and seek community, people to be in like our community. And this isn't the only community. When you like, if you have families that have moved before, Maybe they've moved churches, maybe they've moved cities, maybe they've moved states, maybe you're moving out of wherever for college. You're, this isn't the only community that is offered for you. I want to emphasize that. This isn't the only community that is offered for you. There are lots of them. There are lots of churches that have communities that are preaching the word of God that you can be part of and you can invite people into. So Trinity is not the only one. Um, so for our growth. God created specifically so that we are used um, for the common good. You get to be used. And if you start to like tailor make like your religion in your mind and you start to be, well, I really like when Joel preaches instead of Vicky. <laughs> well, you know, I'm up here, so 
kind of got to deal with it at this moment. <laughs> um, so, or like if you start to tailor make your like your religion, it becomes your religion, and it's not what God desires for the common good of His people. So, um, we have you know a second time or something. Um, so, what I want to do right now is I know I didn't give you like clear action steps of like how to do this because I think for every single one of you it's really different and bearing one another's burdens is um, like it's twofold. So someone needs to be held and someone needs to hold. And there are gonna be different times in your lives where someone in your direct community needs to be held and they're gonna need you to come alongside them. And there's going to be other times where that person is going to be holding you and bearing your burden. And then there's going to be other times where you see a need outside of your community and you see their need and you need to go and find them and bear their burden for them. And I know that like feels really weird because when we are on our phones all the time, we do lose empathy for the people next to us. And so in like the next um, four five-ish minutes, I want you to split up into just like twos. So it'd just be two people, so just like next to you. And I just want you to like, first of all, communicate a need that you have and a something that you can give. So like whether it is your time, whether it is like a Bible passage to someone, Think about people maybe in your life that need a coffee date. Think about people in your life that need some food at their front door. Think about, so two things. So how can I be used for God's glory? And how like do I need the community to surround me right now? And you might not have something right now because I'm giving you right now to think about this. But um, you get, let's do five minutes and just do the people next to you. So you guys can really quick um so one thing that i was thinking about if you feel like you don't necessarily have something to offer someone in need or to like bear like to carry someone else's burden i would really encourage you to talk to your counselors about that because i know like from counseling the junior ladies specifically like they are all very gifted at very specific things, and they can help one another in very specific ways. Um, but often it takes talking it out and talking to your counselors, talking to someone else to kind of figure out like how you fit into the common good and what God's plan is. And so it's okay if you kind of don't know what that is now. So, um, yeah. That is what we have as far as that today. And I just hope that you guys feel like called into like kind of like a next actual step of bringing people into the community of God. I know that some of you actually like have the gift of evangelism and that might feel maybe easier for you to like talk about God outside of this place. But you all are like so gifted at so many different things and you can bear each other's burdens in very different ways. So today, um, as we go out, I would just encourage you to keep on talking to your brothers and sisters in Christ and just um, keep on um, being community because this place is so important and it's so valuable. And 
One thing that I will say that I like regret what, when I left um, high school group is that I didn't follow up with people that started to dip. And um, like I have visions of like, like them leaving and then me being like, oh, like I sh they're just gone. And I would talk about it and I would be like, and I would talk to like one of my friends in a gossipy kind of way about it and like be like, so-and-so isn't coming anymore. Uh, so-and-so's not coming anymore. Uh, and I would just be mad about it, but I didn't do anything about it. And so if you have a sense too that you're supposed to call someone back into this community, sometimes they just need to be asked. And that will change the trajectory of their lives. And so that's one thing that I would say. I, yeah, sorry to leave you on that note. Um, but um, yeah, so let's pray. And yeah, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this community that we have here. But thank you so much um, for the call to go out and be community wherever you're calling us to. And Lord, we know that it's for the purpose of your glory first and then our growth. And we know that in those times of struggle and those times of need, those times that we're being attacked, that you will lift our hands. You will help us like you helped Moses, Lord, and that we'll be able to lift our hands and praise you through that storm, Lord. And as the song says, like that is how we're going to fight our battles, Lord. And I pray that as we leave this place, we seek people around us that are going to bear our burdens and we're going to bear their burdens for them too, Lord. So thank you for the call. It is such an honorable call. In your heavenly name we pray, amen.